0: We live in a world that is just full of broken promises. Overflowing with broken promises. I remember when I was in the army back in the 1990s and I was listening to guys who were getting ready to retire. They were in their last year or two and they were talking about how the army had promised them when they they signed up back in the 80s and 70s. That if they would serve their country for 20 to 30 years, they would have benefits that would last their entire lifetime. And yet the TRICARE system, which is the army medical system, was changing over to where these guys, these retirees, were being told that when they got out, they were going to have to pay for their own medical insurance through the army. Now, it was a cheaper amount of money than, say, other guys did, but you know, this was a promise that was made to these men and women it was a promise that was given to them that, that they would have these benefits and yet things changed and, and promises were broken. And those kind of those kind of promises when that happens, it hurts. I remember my dad when he was nearing retirement, he was looking at how the railroad was telling him all of the things that were going to change. All of the promises that had been made about him retiring were, were changing and, and he wasn't going to have any of those things and and there was this justification somewhere that our word doesn't have to mean anything anymore. We, we made a promise beforehand, not realizing that things would change. And, and I'm not going to preach on Hebrews chapter 11 today, but there was a guy that was in the Old Testament. His name was uh, Jephthah. And Jephthah is in the Hebrews Faith Hall of Fame for being faithful. And when you look this guy up in the Old Testament, all he did was keep his word. That's all he's mentioned in Scripture for. He made a rash vow. He made a promise, not knowing that he would regret the promise to sacrifice his daughter. He said, whatever comes out of my door, the first thing that comes out, I will sacrifice to the Lord. And he kept that promise, and he's in the Faith Hall of Fame because of that. I think God wants us to keep our word. Amen? But we live in this world full of broken promises. And, and you know, I, I could talk about the one about the, the army. Well, what about this one? This one affects a lot more people. Back in the, in the New Deal, Social Security became something that was created. And, and people fought against Social Security when it was first starting. But, but now the system's in place and it was going. And, and we were promised that if we'd pay into this Social Security, which we don't really have a choice... But if we'd pay into it that when we got to retirement age, that the benefits would be there for us, would be there for our spouse, and we would have those things, and then then the promises are being broken, the, the system was pilfered, the money spent on other things, and, and yes, I know that I'm touching on some sensitive subjects because it's probably welling up in you right now, some frustration, maybe, maybe even anger, thinking about promises that have been broken. What about this one? I talk about this one a lot because it's really close to home. Companies promised they would be around for years, that we could move our families to where they were, that we could work there, we could we could build a life there, and all of those things. And then that really affects us when we think about a couple of oil companies that were in our city, headquartered here, Pennzoil and Quaker State. And then they broke those promises and moved because they wanted to go be in, in Texas and... You know, that's something that we're, we're dealing with the consequences of those broken promises. These broken promises are, are, are so regular that nowadays, people my age, when they get out of college, well, I guess I'm actually a little beyond that age, but people from my generation, we started getting out of college, we started going and getting jobs, and, and we never thought we would work for the same company for our whole thing. Used to be back in the day... You'd get a job and you'd, you'd work. You'd, hey, you guarantee me a job and I'll guarantee you I'll stay there. And people's words were there. And people worked for the same company for all of their life and retired from there. And they gave everything to the company, but the company took care of them. These, this pervasiveness of broken promises is so big that now everybody's out there constantly looking for a job, even when they have one, constantly looking for a new and better deal. Because, hey, the company might not need me tomorrow. And our word doesn't mean as much as it should mean. We're not sticking to the promises that we've made. We used to live in a world where if I gave you my word, it meant something. We used to live in a world where if I gave you my word, you could count on it. But now we live in this world that is full of broken promises. Promises are are actually made to be broken, we hear a lot of people saying. And believe it or not, it's affecting how we live our faith out. It's affecting the church. Now I'd like to argue with you, uh, not, not fight with you in that sense, that came out wrong. I'd like to present an argument to you that this phenomenon isn't actually new. It's been happening for centuries. It may not have been as pervasive in our culture in the last century, but it's been happening for centuries, this, this thing about our word and, and people breaking those words. I mean, think about this. Ancient nations would go through, and we can look at these things inside of the Scripture, and they'd make peace treaties. And then those peace treaties a lot of times wouldn't last very long. I, I remember a story, uh, and I love this story. I love preaching through this story because usually when I preach through this story, I end up jumping up on top of a pew and screaming, you know, like a maniac because I'm, I'm David with Goliath's head cut off in my hand, you know, and I'm up there and I'm like, ah, oh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? But do you remember the promise the Philistines gave to the Israelites? Here's our man, Goliath. You pick a man. Let him come out and fight. And whoever wins, the other one will be that person's servant. But then I read the rest of the Old Testament, we're perpetually at war with the stinking Philistines. Right? Like, the word meant nothing. The promise meant nothing. Nothing. Can I get an amen? amen. I, mean, I don't know you guys are off I mean you guys aren't even nodding today. Must be the, must be the beginning of summer or something. So this is the kind of stuff that we see happening. Promises are being made and then those promises are being broken and this isn't actually a new phenomenon at all. So what does God's word say about promises? What does he say about the subject of promises? We're going to be looking today at Hebrews chapter 6 verses 13 through 20. You can go ahead and turn there while I talk just a little bit. God has some words to say here about promises. And about making them or breaking them. And so I want to read this passage of scripture to you. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. You might be reading from a different translation. That's okay. Follow along as best you can. that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I just want to hit that verse again. That's such a good verse. You know, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtains where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Lord in this passage, you talk about promises. And, and you talk about other things too, but Lord, we're focused on the, on the communication of, that you're giving us about promises. And so we ask your Holy Spirit would come and teach us and guide us today. Lord, I, I pray that my words would be few and that your words would be many. Lord, I pray that you would, you would strike from my mind anything that's my agenda and that your agenda would be the only thing that comes forth today. And that you would speak into the lives of, of your people a very powerful word on promises so that today we can walk away in faith and assurance and it's in jesus name we pray and god's people said amen so i want to give you the backdrop to this passage of scripture in this passage of scripture that we see that god is aware of the shaking nature of promises in our turbulent world It comes right out of this passage. I mean, you see that God is aware of this. He's not stupid, right? I mean, He's God. He knows everything. But He communicates to us that He realizes that we live in the shaky world of promises in, in several ways. God knows that we have a hard time trusting promises. Now, I don't know how many of you want to admit that, but But I know that I personally have a hard time trusting promises. I mean, I've had people promise me stuff and then have to dig the blade out when they stick it in me, right? I've had bonuses promised. I've had other things promised. When I was working uh, at the first church plant, uh, I was working bivocationally at the Walmart Distribution Center. I looked the general manager of the distribution center in the face because my two-year-old niece had died. And he gave me his word about what he was going to do so that I could be a part of my family's grief and mourning. And he never had any intention of keeping that word. He just wanted me out of his face. I, I got to be honest with you. I kind of have a hard time trusting promises when when people look me in the face and, and assure me that they're going fu- I'm, to... Now, I'm not saying that it's right for me to not. I'm just saying I struggle with that, right? Because I've had people do that. I mean, especially when a little two-year-old girl is... Has passed away. And then to have the rug pulled out from underneath of you, just to be told something just so that you'll leave, get out of his face. I mean, come on, really? And I don't know. Maybe you guys have had moments like that where you've you've had those things happen in your life. God knows that we have a hard time trusting these promises sometimes. And I think that's why he's talking about these promises here. I think that's why he's he's trying to assure us of his promises. He knows that we have a hard time. The proliferation translation, please. Come on, somebody's got the gift of interpretation. Bring it. The plur- wow, I can't. I wrote this word. The pl- <laughs> proliferation <laughs> of broken promises actually causes us to instantly disbelieve someone if they promise something, right? Now I know that that's not jumping out from this passage, but I'm, I'm just trying to point out that God knows this about us. Amen. And I'll point out how he knows here in just a moment. I mean, let me give you a couple more examples. If a politician, and I don't care what party, okay, this is not a political speech. If a politician makes a promise, raise your right hand if you think that they're going to keep it for sure. I don't see any hands. (laughs) Right? I mean, I don't care what party or lack of party you're into. I mean, we just expect that if a politician is talking, if his lips are moving, it's probable that he's lying or she's lying. Amen? I mean, it's just like that promise us. I don't believe it. Why? Because we've been promised so many things and told so many things by both sides. And it's really just about getting back in office. It's not about actually following through with anything. Right? Well, here's another one. The elders and I were talking about this in the last in the last week. Uh, about warranties and extended warranties, okay? We so much don't expect stuff to be work as promised that there's like, you go to Walmart and buy a toaster and they offer you an extended warranty for the $20 toaster. You know, somebody's like, what kind of toaster are you buying? Toasters haven't been 20 bucks for 30 years, pal. But, But you go in there and, you know, used to you go in and you buy something and it's just supposed to work. Now, we're offering extended warranties for anything to work past a year, right? Well, it's got a manufacturer's warranty against defects for one year, but then you've got to spend just as much money mailing it back in to get it fixed. You might as well just go buy a new one. But hey, if you buy this extended warranty, we'll come out to your house and fix it. And I'm going, really? But it's become such a pervasive part of our culture that we buy these extended warranties or, or we're at least tempted to buy these extended warranties because we just assume that whatever product that we're buying that's supposed to work won't work. That's going to break down at some point. Way earlier than it should have. And, and for good reason. It, it's breaking my heart. I just had to replace my hot water heater this week. My old hot water heater was 24 years old. i think this next one i'll be lucky if i get 10 right you know we just but it's become like hey i used to get a product that was promised. promising I mean, we moved in our house and the refrigerator that we had in the house that we bought was made in the 50s or, 60, or 60s i'm sorry it still worked and i didn't have to get an extended warranty for it and it kind of still kind of works Enough that we put it in the basin and trust it with some stuff, but not all stuff, right? Stuff that can go up and down in temperature and be okay, like, you know, those little popsicles that are in the plastic thing, all enclosed. That way if it melts, it doesn't make a mess or spoil. Anyways, I digress. But we expect stuff to give out, right? We expect, we expect that the promiser is not really going to follow through. Right? And we were talking about this, you know, looking at products and stuff and, you know, about extended warranties and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of ridiculous when we have to have these conversations, I think. And God understands, I believe He communicates in this passage of Scripture, that He understands this pattern has sometimes even caused us to doubt Him, the God of all the universe, when He makes a promise. I think God understands that. I'm not saying that God wants us to doubt Him, but I think that God understands that we are affected by the things that are going on around us. We're, we're a product of the culture in which we live. We deal with all of those things. And God, He understands that in our, in our human tendencies, in our, in our, when, when the sin nature tries to arise again, when those doubts try to come, He understands that. And so He speaks to us boldly in this passage about His promises, trying to give us assurity because He knows that we struggle believing these things. So what has God done in this passage to assure us of this? What has He done to show that He really feels the way I'm, I'm saying that He does? And I think it has to do with the things that He's done in this passage that shows that. God has staked everything on His Word to us, and He is not afraid to point it out. God has staked it all on His Word, on the promise that He's made, and He is not afraid to point it out. The first thing that God did was God gave us an example of a promise He kept. Because He knows that we struggle with this. He gives us an example of one that did not seem like it was ever going to be fulfilled. In verses 13 through 15, I'm going to read that to you. I'm going to talk about what I mean that it seemed like it was never going to be fulfilled. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless and multiply you. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. If you know the story of Abraham, Abraham was told that, He would have an heir. And through that heir, God would bless all nations. And that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, that there would be so many that we wouldn't even be able to count them all. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament background of this story, what's happening here is Abraham and, and Sarah, his wife, they're advanced in years. Yeah, 90s, old folks that, that are past childbearing years. And so this promise was given, and 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 boy, you know, they get to doubting it, and what happens? Sarah says, you know what, I've got a handmaid in Hagar. She can bear children for me. She can step in, and the heir can come through. And, and Abraham, in a little bit of this struggle, you know, a little bit of self-doubt here, you know, he, he went ahead and, and, and tried to bring an heir into the world named Ishmael. Right, but then God steps back in and intervenes again and says, "Hey, this isn't this isn't the one. This isn't the one." Sarah's promised to have a child about this time next year. When we come by, the angel of the Lord says, "You know, you'll be Sarah will be with child, and you'll have a, a male son." All this. Sarah hears it, she giggles. You know, you know when she giggles, I don't think it's like he like a schoolgirl giggle. It's like the, <laughs> yeah, that kind of giggle, like that struggle with believing it giggle. You know, the one where you're like, hey, we got a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, and you're like, yeah, right. They're going to get out of that somehow, right? This is, you know, so Sarah's struggling with this. But she has the baby, right? She has the baby. And then Abraham is told to send Ishmael away. Sarah says, send him away. And God says to Abraham, listen to your wife. Don't worry about Ishmael. I'll take care of him. I'll handle it with him. Go ahead and send him away. By the way, he did handle it with him. But that's a sermon for another day. But now he has to wait for this nation to come. Abraham never physically received the promises. He never walked into the promised land. He never took all of those things, but he patiently waited because God intervened here and started showing him, no, my promise to you is good. Now, why is this important? I think it's important because a lot of times we've heard a word from the Lord. If you don't get this from me as of yet, you need to understand it. I believe that God actively speaks in the present age. Okay? Okay. He speaks to us through our conscience. He speaks to us through the word. He speaks to us through God, the leaders. He speaks to us through the scriptures. He will speak in promises actively into our lives. He will tell us things in his word. He will say, this is a promise for you and your, for you and your family. These are promises that are actively going on. Okay? And he may have promised you something. He may have promised you something five years ago, ten years ago. And you are struggling with believing that. He uses this illustration, I believe, to show you when I promise, even if it comes slowly by the way you count time, know that it's coming. Have faith that it is coming. Trust me that I will follow through. Even if you don't think it comes through the way that you expect it to come through, believe me, it is coming. Has God spoken a promise to any of you? Has he given a word to any of you? I believe one of the first words that I was given for this church was specific to a certain family about their son. I believe it was a word from the Lord. I believe it may take a while, but I believe he's coming back. And I'm going to keep holding on to what I know God told me. And God knows we struggle with this. It's important. He's pointing this out in this passage of scripture that we have to wait on His timing when He gives a promise. We have to wait till He brings it to fruition. He shows us in this passage of scripture that uh, His promises are based in the seriousness of an oath. Sorry about the typos. Now I want to. This is in verse sixteen. For people swear by something greater than themselves in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. Let me talk about the seriousness of an oath. Now I want to talk about, I want to start with us, how serious we take it. God takes it even more serious. If you go into court and you take an oath and you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, and then you lie, you have perjured yourself and there's our criminal charges that are filed for that. And you go from being a law-abiding citizen to a criminal with a record. We take it serious. We take an oath serious. Look, it's really funny that Walmart had this double standard because Walmart has a standard that if you lie one time, they will fire you instantly on the spot. I know I told a story about where the general manager lied to me and didn't get fired, obviously. But Walmart would fire you on the spot if you lied. If they said, tell me the truth, what happened, you tell them, and you lie, you're gone. Instantly. Like, get your stuff, let's walk you out, and they will put on your file and into their computer system that you are not eligible for rehire ever. You'll never work for their company again. We take an oath serious. We take it, we know, now, it's kind of funny, we're talking about how, you know, it's like, we don't take it serious when we're just supposed to tell the truth, but then when we swear that we tell them the truth, we take it serious, right? God takes this very serious as well. He takes it more serious than us because he didn't have anybody by great, which by greater to swear, so he gave an oath. Now, you got to understand something. that The Lord tells us through Jesus Christ that, that we don't need to be swearing oaths, that we just need to let our yes be yes and our no be no, that that ought to be good enough. But he swears an oath. He gives a guarantee of what he's promising. He's saying, look, I am staking it all on this oath. The third thing that God does is he points out that promises are based on more than just his oath. They're based on his very character. Look at verses 17 through 19. So when God desired to show more convincingly, yes, I, I, I could put that tone in there. Right? I think sometimes we try to read our Bibles like this. So when God desired, desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Like, and you're like, really? But I think if you put some tone in there, some inflection, all of a sudden it makes more sense. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie... We who have fled for refuge might be have a strong encouragement to hold fat to the hope that's set before us. God does this in an oath. He promises all of this in an oath, and then he says, "But you know what? It's not just on that oath. I will do it by two things." Number one, I will give you my oath. And number two, it is impossible for me to lie. It is based on my character. It is based on who I am. And if I give you a promise and I don't follow through with it, then I'm not the God of all the universe. Then you can't trust me with anything. He bases it all on his character. He is willing to stake his reputation with all of humanity on the promises that he gives. When God gives a warranty, you don't need the extended warranty because the one that he gives will work. Amen? When God tells you that he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Now, I think he's assuring us of all of this and he's doing all these things, things for, for several reasons. Right? But one of those reasons is so that it will build trust in him. Let me just, let me just talk to you real quick about God's character. About what kind of God we serve. This is a God that as we look in the Scripture, we find out He cares about our pain. I mean, I think about the words that Paul, the Apostle Paul writes, that he says, you know, if we suffer, it is for your sake. And if we, com- and if we are comforted, it is for your sake. So that we can comfort you with the same comfort we ourselves have been comforted with. See, God cares about your pain. He cares about all of these things. And so He's enabled His people to be able to step in and minister and, and stand alongside of you and comfort you and give you peace and give you these things and be The hands and feet of Jesus. And this is a God who loves. This is a God who's passionate. This is a God who has character. Right? This is a God who in Malachi says that if we will trust Him with our tithes and offerings, that we will never have need of anything. He doesn't say we won't have want. But He says we'll never have need of anything. And He backs that up. I mean, this is a God that realizes that you need to eat, that you need to pay your bills, that you need to do all of these things. And he says, if you'll trust me, I'll make sure that happens. If you'll follow me, I'll make sure that happens. As one of our brothers stood and testified this morning, the timing isn't necessarily in the timing we'd like it. But hey, listen, our brother stood and testified this morning, which means he didn't die in the four years that he was waiting for a promise. Can I get a witness? I mean, he doesn't count time the way that we do, but he says, hey, I love you and I will intervene and I'm doing for you what needs to be done. God's character, God knows what we need and he knows that what we need is not always what we want. There's an old classic rock song that says something like that. You can't always get what you want, right? But you get what you need. Now, I understand you guys are like, why is he bringing that up? Because I think that, you know, that guy was hitting on something there. We don't always get the things we want from God, but we do get the things that we need from him in his timing. When he's ready, this is his character. He's a holy God. In him, there's no deceit. There's no sin. He's a merciful God. He's a God who disciplines all of these things. We can look at the character of God and we can say he's basing all of this on his character. And he's trustworthy. It's not based on my character. You know the awesome thing about God's promises? I don't have to back them up. No, I don't think you heard me. I heard me. I don't know if you heard me. I don't have to back God's promises up. People come to me all the time, preacher. God's not showing up. Do something. I don't have to back his promises up. You know how freeing this is when you realize that? Look, God promised that his church would grow. I don't have to back it up. He does. That's his character. He based his reputation on it, not mine, his. So we see all of those things. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the character of God, but I want to I finish the sermon today, so... <laughs> So, why would God do all of this? Why would God do all of this? Because in 18b through, Trent, through verse 20, we're, uh, God shows us why he's gone to great lengths. So, halfway through verse 18, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast. That was almost bad. <laughs> to hold fast. I'm finding my place here. So the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Listen to me, church. Hear me. God knows that we are going to doubt when things look bleak. But he says, hold on, child. Hold on! I'm not done! I'm going to show up! Hold on! I know you're depressed. I know you're struggling. But you hold on. You hold on. I'm going to show up. We've received the promise of eternal life. Jesus has entered in behind the curtain as a forerunner. And I'm going to come through with this. And you keep holding on. You hold on! No matter how bad your situation looks, you hold on because I am a God who keeps my promises. I will bless you. You will have what you need. You hold on. Did God say that He was going to heal that cancer? Hold on, He will. Did God tell you that He was going to bring your child back to the kingdom, back into the fold? Hold on, He will. Did God tell you that He was going to provide a job for you? Did He give you that word? You hold on. Did God tell you that He would enter into your marital problems and all of these struggles? Did you hold on? Hold on. God is going to be involved, church. You hold on. Do not give up. You hold to His hand. You say, Daddy in heaven, pick me up and hold me. I'm I'm fading here. I'm feeling a little weak. I'm getting a little little frustrated. I'm getting a little down and depressed. But I'm going to hold to your never-changing hand, your ever-unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to you. I'm going to cling to the promises. I know that you've spoken to me. You've told me that if I come to you and if I trust you, that you will make all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I love you, Lord. You called me according to your purpose, and so I am holding on to the promise that all things are going to work together for my good. We sing a song like that. You work all things together for my good, right? We sing that song. Maybe God's called you to start a new ministry and you're doubting and you're struggling and you're like, I don't know. Hold on. Hold on to his hand. You trust him. You trust him. Maybe God has spoken into your life about you filling the blank hold on he's gonna show up now i want you to understand something i'm not saying we can name it and claim it okay i don't believe that the bible teaches that anywhere but it says that if we ask anything according to his will we have it now it's got to be according to his will says another place in the scriptures that if we delight ourselves in the lord delight ourselves in the lord he'll give us the desires of our heart why i think he changes our desires to be his desires He gives us new desires. He gives us a new heart. He does all of these things. And we begin to thirst after the things that he wants us to thirst after. We begin to desire the things that he wants us to desire. So, church, I want you to look around. I want you to see something. I, I want you to see what's been going on in our midst. Our church is growing. And I believe that God has spoken a powerful word over our church. That it is going to continue to grow. That God is going to continue to do amazing things in our midst. It's kind of interesting today is probably one of our lower attended sundays and i think it's bigger than the sundays before a year ago god is doing something but even if it slumps down we hold on let me tell you what it looks like when we hold on 20 years ago occa moved from up on the hill down to here there's about 140 people who went to church here i think at that time if i remember the stories correctly when they moved from up on top the hill down to here the church grew down to 40 people We paid about $200,000, I think, for this building back then, somewhere in that neighborhood. I, I could be wrong. Somebody who was around might be able to correct that number. Guys, I just happen to be looking into insurance this week, making sure we're insured properly. And they say it will take $2 million to rebuild this thing if it gets tore down. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying just because God's blessed us financially, that means that we have, you know, oh, looky there. It's all about the money. No, I'm just saying... God took 40 people and put together something that could move us into the future, that could move us into his purpose for this community. We hold on to that. Sometimes we're going to doubt. There was a moment three or four months into this, I, I, I doubted. And thank God I had a sister named Stacy who looked at me and said, wait a minute, you said... When you were at council that God spoke to you and said, you're getting ready to enter the most fruitful time of ministry in your life. Hold on. We all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. The thing that's critical in all of this is that we have to know that God spoke the promise. Again, I can't just name and claim anything. I can't say, well, God, I I want a Ferrari, so, you know, I'm believing you, you know. God has to speak it to us, has to be based in his truth. But we can hold on and we can wait on his promises, knowing that it's going to come to pass. Here's what I want to say to you. When God gives us a promise, we can hold on to it, knowing that it's coming. This is not a merely wishing that it will come true. It's believing with everything that we have. It's beginning to take faith-filled risks based upon those promises that He calls us to. We're taking a faith-filled risk this week as a church. We're We're pulling our pews out. We're putting in the new chairs on Friday and Saturday, believing that God is going to continue to grow the body. Believing that God wants to do something. We're pursuing and saying, God, what are you doing? And it's not all about the numbers. I mean, we don't, it's not all about the numbers. It's not about that. But we're believing that God cares about our community and wants to impact it for his glory and for his honor. I'm going to show you homework in a minute. And and with the homework, it's basically going to hopefully build up the promises in your life, the, the faith in those promises Now, I want to explain something about homework real quick. Somebody asked me about this this week. You do know the slide says H-O-N-E, right? And I'm like, yes. It's on purpose. I said, you do know there's a sword on there, right? And they said, yes. And I said, hone, like sharpening, right? Like we're sharpening the sword. It's homework. It sharpens us. So the homework is is an intentional wordplay. Just wanted to share that. Now, what is homework? It's passages of Scripture that we read so that you know that pastor's pastor is not just making this stuff up. These are little short passages. These, this is this week's homework, and then we're going to have a response time. And I know we don't have an altar call every week, but this week, friends, we're going to have one. Monday, 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Tuesday, Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Wednesday, Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. Thursday, Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 16. Friday, 2 Chronicles 6, 12 through 17. And Saturday, Psalms 89, Psalm 89, 19 to 28. Look, all of these passages of Scripture, and they're going to be out there for you to keep writing. All of these passages of Scripture are about God being trustworthy when He speaks a promise. When He promises you something, you can take it to the bank. Now it may not come in the time that you want to see it come, but friends, you can take it to the bank. God is going to show up in an amazing, amazing way. So, Father, we come before you. We've we've looked at your word. We've looked at the fact that you are trustworthy. You are reliable. And that you speak promises into our lives. And that we can believe them. Now, Father, speak to your people. Remind us of the promises that you've given so that we can come to you in pursuit of those things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.